the name is interesting too because I think in order to really have traveled, I think we have to come full circle and and come back to ourselves, come back to our home, and really like reflect on what we've been through. Um, I know not everyone can have that experience. Like if you're um, immigrating or a refugee from a, a, a country that's at war, you might not not ever go back home. Um, but that piece of home is kind of always still with you. Welcome to the Hybrid Pub Scout Podcast with me, Emily Einelander. And me, Corinne Kalaski. Hello. Hello, Corinne. Hello, Emily. Having <laughs> <laughs> the frontier between traditional and indie publishing. And today we're talking with Erin Pelvin about her new zine, Return Trip, which just debuted on Thursday, right? Yep. All right. So Erin Pelvin is the founding editor of Return Trip, a zine that explores how travel makes us feel. She is a freelance writer and editor who's been published in Maisonneuve, The Globe and Mail, Enroute Magazine, and more. She's also an associate editor at The Vault, a literary zine focusing the work on the work of women writers. Her home base is Toronto, but she's also lived in Copenhagen, Ho Chi Minh City, and Montreal. And we met in Copenhagen, so um, it's nice to talk again. So hi, thank you for being here, Erin. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. How, how was your launch? It was great. Yeah, we had a really good turnout. Um, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, and it was a, it was at a, a bookstore, or a record store. Or? Yeah, it was, it's a record store. Um, yeah, in Toronto on Queen Street. All right. So I believe that Corinne has an icebreaker question. Oh, I sure do. All right, hold on <laughs> one second here. Get ready. Okay. So <clears throat> uh, between Rush, Justin Bieber, and Nickelback. If you had to listen to any one of these artists for the rest of your life, which would it be and why? I'm going to go with Rush because it's uh, the least controversial. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, and aren't Rush like Canadian royalty anyway, right? Sort I of? guess. I mean, there's a lot of Canadian lo- loyalty. There's, there's Celine, there's Shania, you know, there's a lot. There's Drake. Like I listen to Drake all the time, so that would have been my answer. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, we tried to pick the worst ones. Yeah. Well, what I think are the worst anyway. But yeah. All right. So rush. Okay. Good Grand answer. Opinionated. I am. I'm sorry. I am. I'm not sorry. I'm opinion. Why am I saying that? Well, Aaron but. has pretty good taste, I think, because we yeah. uh, do you remember when we DJ'd that night at the student house? Yes. Yeah, in Copenhagen. Yeah. It was great. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually listened to Art Brood all week in preparation for this interview. Wow, that's devotion. <laughs> I, don't know, I just like, listened to it in years, and I was like, I remember that was fun. <laughs> I love that. We'll link yeah. it in the show notes. <laughs> all right, so um, we've had some varying answers to this question. As you know, we interviewed Joe Beale, and then we've interviewed Erin Klassen, but she comes on later. And then Shelly Pearson, who we also interviewed, has her own opinion about what constitu- constitutes a zine. So what would your definition of a zine be? Um, I feel like a zine just has a very independent 
kind of spirit to it and it's independently published. Um, my knowledge of zines is kind of like, you know, Aaron Comet Bus and like all those really old school zines that came out of Portland. Um, and they're, you know, black and white photocopied, stapled, like I, that's a traditional zine to me. But in the past few years, I've been noticing that there are things that are called zines that are like perfect bound and include color and like a little bit of investment. So um, it's interesting to see how um, zines have evolved. But I think at the heart of it all, um, zines are are independently published. Mm-hmm. So that's like the main uh, uniting factor for them. I think so. I mean, in my opinion I I mean I'm not super I'm not like an expert on zines or anything like that but that's just kind of what I've noticed and like have done one so I feel like that's the more expert than us yeah that's true (laughs) yeah but I think right now we're struggling on how to define return trip like is it a magazine is it a zine it has the heart of independent publishing and and this kind of different content that's very different from a magazine and uh, we don't have advertisements or advertorials or anything like that or like any commercial content. Um, so we're still deciding, do we call it a zine? Do we call it a magazine? Because when you hold it in your hands, um, it, it does have a magazine, almost like book vibe to it with lots of colors and photos. So um, right. yeah, we're still we're still figuring out who we are. Yeah, it's uh, never, never just a finished product in the whole thing, right? <laughs> Yeah. Would you consider yourself like a perfectionist when it comes to uh, the editing process? Like you have a hard time letting it go to print? Yeah. I mean, the zine took a year and two months to complete. So, and I think a lot of that was me. Well, not a lot of it, but I would go back and look at the content and be like, uh, this reads really weird. Like, how did I not pick this up before? And then I would just kind of edit again and then get my, my friend to copy edit. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's part of the process and I definitely consider myself a perfectionist, but at, at some point you just kind of have to trust that it will be okay in the end. All right. So did you read a lot of travel writing before you decided to create Return Trip? And what did and didn't you like about any of the stuff you may have read? I don't really read travel writing. Um, I find, unless it's a place I've been or a place I really want to go, I don't tend to want to read about destinations. I'm more interested in how um, people feel when they're on the road. And to me, that doesn't matter what the destination is or, or the location. Like, I just kind of want a good story about a moment of change, I think. So um, that's really important to me. Um, yeah, I mean, I've kind of read like philosophical travel books, I guess. Like, um, let me look at my shelf here. I think... Paul Theroux, I think his name is. He did The Art of Travel. I read Flights by Olga Tokarczyk, who's a Polish writer who won the Man Booker last year, I believe. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, she kind of has these like really interesting meditations on, on flights and, and airports and, and travel. And I just like live for that content. I think I, I just love that feeling of being on the road and, and, and traveling. So... I feel like that's a bit different than the genre of, of travel writing, or at least what I know of it, because I'm not an expert on it. But yeah, not like a travel and leisure magazine sort of yeah. uh, person. It's <laughs> nice to be traveler. Yeah, it's yeah. nice to be through <laughs> and, and like lots to aspire to there. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, that's definitely not the inspiration for a return trip. <laughs> well, I'm kind of relieved to hear that, honestly. 
I don't like those magazines either. Okay. Um, so next question. <laughs> um, how do you want your travel writing zine to stand out from all the rest? So like I mentioned, it really is focusing on, on the feelings we have when we travel. And another piece that's interesting about Return Trip is we want to focus on cultural identity a bit and, and how people define themselves. Um, like that's not travel in a traditional like commercial or capitalistic sense. It's kind of like your family traveled to Canada, you're an immigrant, like travel has affected your life, like whether you have traveled or not, like someone traveling has affected where you are today. And especially in Toronto, it's a really multicultural city and, and Canada is a very multicultural country. And I'm re really proud of that. Um, that isn't to say there are no problems at all. Um, I know that people still face discrimination and whatnot, but um, I kind of wanted to, to look at those two aspects of, of travel and, and really just explore the feelings behind travel and, and kind of like the depth of travel and, and not really see it as um, a commercial entity, I suppose. Um, so to that end, what uh, kind of submissions were you looking for? Uh, how did you collect them and convey that idea um, of what you wanted? How did that work? Yeah, I feel like I know a lot of people who have uh, traveled extensively or lived abroad or are from another country or kind of live between two cultures or more. And I approached my friends. They were all pretty much everyone in the zine is my friend. Um, I, I approached them cause I, I wanted to know what they, they thought about this concept and I knew that they were creative and had something, um, had a story to contribute or, or some artwork. And, um, yeah, I almost kind of wanted to feel like a collection of, um, stories on, on this meditation I suppose and uh, the name is interesting too because I think in order to really have traveled I think we have to come full circle and, and come back to ourselves come back to our home and really like reflect on what we've been through um, I know not everyone can have that experience like if you're um, immigrating or a refugee from a, a, a country that's at war you might not not ever go back home um but that piece of home is kind of always still with you and so it's interesting to kind of reflect on that i think so there's a really unique part of your call for submissions where you say we acknowledge that travel is a privilege that doesn't mean you've had to travel in order to contribute uh what did you have in mind when you wrote that yeah. Um, again, like I had said, like a lot of people in Toronto come from other places. And so part of my definition of, of travel involves like kind of having that cultural identity aspect. Um, and also, yeah, travel is a huge privilege. And so I think not everyone can travel, but that doesn't mean that their voices don't deserve to be heard or that doesn't mean that they don't have an ex a local experience that they could talk about. Um, so like if someone wrote on Chinatown, for example, that's something that would be interesting to me, kind of right. reflecting on what that means to them. Um, yeah, so. There is, there is a piece in the most recent one, correct, about uh, being in Chinatown. Um, was, it, was it the one about food? Yeah, one? my friend uh, Genevieve Yam Kotman uh, wrote a really great piece um, about food and cultural identity. She's from Hong Kong, but uh, she's kind of like grown up between Hong Kong and Toronto. And 
she has ties to both. And so, yeah, her, her experience of that was really interesting to me. So next question, have you got a lot of submissions that fall under the category of writing about where you live? And do those mostly tend toward expats living somewhere long-term or people who were born and raised in a single place? Looking at the zine, I think we don't have a lot of content about like writing where you live per se. There's a poem about Korean identity that kind of takes place in Toronto. Uh, that's Migrant by Michonne Yang. And um, so that's not really an expat story per se. It's, it's more like uh, a piece on, on where she kind of fits in with her herself um okay Toronto yeah so that's kind of what what our first issue has but you know I'm definitely interested in hearing about um expat life and uh kind of living in a, a culture that uh is different from your own and like because for me like l having lived in in Copenhagen and in Vietnam um I feel like a crazy amount of change happens when you're out of your comfort zone and when you're living somewhere and having to start a routine in a totally different place I feel like some interesting stories or anecdotes might come out of that and yeah that's like a, a really big reason why I wanted to kind of start return trip as well because I'm just drawn to those stories okay okay I really liked your piece um, that you wrote about um the night you had was it in Luxembourg <laughs> yeah where you just like didn't actually remember anything from it and yeah and it's like, like that's a that's people don't really write about that kind of stuff but it happens all the time yeah and like I think I had written that piece a few years ago and I was like who the fuck is gonna like accept this submission it's so weird and I it, it seemed like such a misfit but I wanted to address it somehow like basically I'd, I'd gone to Luxembourg I was only there for like 24 hours, but my, my train from Paris was very delayed. So I only spent a night in Luxembourg. And I guess I kind of write about what I, I had anticipated seeing and then what versus what I actually saw there and what my actual experience was. It was very different from what I expected, but you know, that's what it was. And that's how I will always remember Luxembourg in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people have travel experiences like that where um, the most memorable things that stick out in your head are the things that probably aren't going to be accepted to a magazine. <laughs> like, I just remember in Thailand being at a train station until three in the morning and the guy I was traveling with wouldn't stop singing the green grass song. Like the green grass grows all around, all around. And I was just like, stop. <laughs> it was like one of the most memorable nights of my life. Um, because of the green grass song, but well, there nobody, you go. Nobody's gonna, <laughs> nobody's gonna pay for that piece. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, I think there's uh, people talk about how if you're a Western person in another country, you're an expat, but if you're a non-Western person who moves to a Western country, you're an immigrant or refugee. Um, so. I'm interested in how you're kind of subverting and decolonizing with uh, the articles that you're writing. Would you say that um, Return Trip is an anti-colonial work? And do you see that as different from uh, mainstream travel writing? Um, I don't know that I'd um, title us or, or qualify us as, as an anti-colonial publication. I'm, I'm really interested in anti-colonial stories and, and people's stories of colonization, uh, including Canadian stories like from indig indigenous people. Um, so it's something I'm very open to, but with our first issue, I don't know that it, it really comes across that we're uh, 
anti-colonial or anything like that. Um, there's a really great publication actually out of Toronto called Living Hyphen, and it's all about kind of having a hyphenated identity. So a lot of the um, contributors are kind of like, you know, maybe born in Philippines, but raised in Canada or I don't know, they're mixed race and they live in Canada or they have ties to their to their homes in India or whatever. And um, I have to applaud that publication because they are very anti-colonial and they even worked with uh, an indigenous group here to come up with like a, a colon anti-colonial statement about um, like the land that, that this magazine is published on. So I think like that's that's amazing. Um, and yeah, I'm interested in going into that territory and I'm interested in seeing kind of how other publications address that um, issue for sure. And I, it's definitely not a mainstream thing here. Although I kind of, I'm seeing more and more in Toronto, a lot of events, people are starting off by uh, acknowledging that the land is native and, and belongs to uh, certain indigenous groups. So, yeah. Yeah. We've started, I've started seeing that in a lot of events in Portland as well, which I think is nice. Yeah. So um, one theme that you come back to again and again is that travel creates and fosters vulnerability. And why do you think that's important? I think in vulnerability, that's kind of where those moments of change can really happen. Um, mm -hmm. Kind of like, again, going back to Copenhagen, like I lived in Copenhagen for six months and it changed my life. It changed my worldview. And um, I'm very lucky to have been able to go on exchange during university and have that experience. Um, but, you know, I look back with kind of rose colored glasses, like, sure. Oh, I love Copenhagen. What a great time. But like in reality, like there were a lot of shitty times where I felt lonely and isolated and frustrated and had really bad experiences with like Dance good bank. Danske Bank. I was just gonna say like the, <laughs> trying to open an international bank account is is a, a form of torture that I I've never experienced before. So yeah, I mean, yeah, so I think it's important to kind of have those experiences to ground you a bit because travel is not always about a vacation. I mean, you can certainly travel for vacation and that's great and live your life, but um, sure. it's not always like this great time, you know? That's that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> when you got those long winters, but I guess you're used to those. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> still, it's almost May and it's still it's still like not even 10 degrees. I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit, but oh my God. it's still very cold here. It's yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh wait, no, it's warmer than that. Okay. But still, <laughs> I remember, I remember the big thermometer. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about marketing um, and sales, because I know that that's a very complicated issue. You said you have no advertisers. So um, before I ask about the marketing side of it, how How'd you fund it? Can I ask about that? Yeah. Um, my creative director and I, her name is Jessica Johnstone. Uh, she's extremely talented. I basically approached her and I was like, I kind of want to make a travel magazine. You and I like to travel. We both like magazines. Like, what do you think? And she was down. Um, so we kind of just like split the printing costs, um, which I feel really grateful that she was on board with that. Because I mean, it could cost a lot of money to, to print a book basically um 
yeah so that's how we funded it was just like out of our savings (laughs) how was how um how high was your print run uh we printed 250 copies so it's quite a small run special limited edition yeah there you go (laughs) well we're excited we're gonna um uh, aaron is nice enough to send us a copy and we're going to give it away so keep an eye out for that everybody it's really exciting um so for a travel uh zine it seems like instagram would be a really good platform for uh for getting the word out um what other plans do you have for growing the audience and for putting it out into the world for people to see I have very limited experience in marketing and PR. So whatever we're doing in that realm is a work in progress and and a huge learning curve for me. Um, But I will say uh, we're launching our online store very soon. So that is one way how you could get return trip. And we're also reaching out to local boutiques and bookstores in Toronto. Um, So that's very exciting because I think people are once they see the issue in their hands, um, like the, hopefully they get what it's about and then they'd be interested in carrying it. Um, and I feel like there's a pretty supportive community in Toronto right now um, where there's like kind of a lot of indie publications coming out. And so I don't know if there's like a demand for that per se, but I, I definitely notice it in a lot of stores and it's definitely part of like Uh, certain brands and certain boutiques to want to have uh, publications stocked. So there's a space available for you to uh, (coughs) enter rather than to completely create it on your own. Yeah. Yeah. Well, do you have any advice for her, Corinne? Oh, for marketing and publicizing it? I mean, yeah, get on that social media, girl. Uh, that's part of it. I would say the yeah, the Instagram thing is. I mean, it's absolutely the best way to promote like something like this. I think this subject matter and just like the experiences you're trying to create for people and the experiences you're trying to get from people. Um, yeah, like I'm trying to think of what else. I mean, I know it's probably not super like cost effective, but giveaways are another really good way to reach people. Which I know, yeah, when you're printing 250, you know, magazines, it's not, you know, probably something you want to give away. But that does create some buzz too. Yeah, um, one going yeah. on. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really helps. Um, people love free shit. So that's if I've learned anything in my years of marketing and PR, <laughs> it's that people love free shit. Um, <laughs> So yeah, I don't know. I'll think about it and like think of some other ways. But yeah, that's, I don't know. I mean, these days it's like social media, advertising on social media, which of course also costs money. So Facebook ads. Oh. yeah, all that kind of stuff. So yeah. Um, yeah. Do you, are you going to have merch in your online? Oh store? yeah, that's a great idea. Um, well, right now we are just going to be selling uh, the magazine, but yeah, I don't know yet. We, we've thought, like, we have Pinterest boards of, of interesting things we could potentially sell. Um, but yeah, it's it's a work in progress because um, Jessica works full time and I, well, I'm freelance right now and, and whatnot. So it, it just takes time to kind of build those things out, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you're working with the vault as well, like how much time would you say that you dedicate to each of your projects? Um, the vault, I'm not sure exactly what the average would be per week. Uh, sometimes there's more stories to look over. And then when we do um, print collections, there's more of like a, a rigorous proofing process. And, and there's several editors that work on the vault. So it's very collaborative, um, which means it could sometimes take a bit more time. 
but I really love working on the vault. And so I'm always like very happy to um, just like drop everything and read a story that came in. <laughs> That's great. I just, um, I just joined last week. So. Oh my God. Yay. Yeah. Thank you. And we'll talk about that more in our next episode as well. So in your spare time, what do you like to read for pleasure? other than vault stories. <laughs> I'm like so happy to answer this, but I'm also so overwhelmed with emotion. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> um, uh, okay, so I'll start by saying Normal People by Sally Rooney just came out in North America. I read it in August and mm-hmm. it's like one of my favorite books ever. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, she was in Toronto doing a press tour for normal people. And I met her and she signed my books on Wednesday, last Wednesday. And I was just so happy. She's one of my favorite authors. She's from Ireland. Um, Incredible, incredible, like 28 year old writer who I'm obsessed with. Um, So even though I read her books a while back, um, I can't stop thinking about them. Like just reading them, she has kind of influenced me to write my own stories in a different way so that's a big deal I think because not many people can infiltrate my consciousness like she does wow yeah <laughs> have you never heard of her <laughs> no I've yeah I've like read a bunch of reviews of her wearing they've all been like glowing like same kind of thing that you're saying basically so yeah I need to check her out yeah and so through reading Sally Rooney, Rooney's work I've um picked up on a lot of Irish literature. Um, she edits um, a journal called The Stinging Fly in Ireland. And um, I've been introduced to a lot of really great writers through there. Um, also, I have a connection with Ireland because my boyfriend is Irish. So where um, it's like always around the house talking about Ireland or like videos with Irish accents, like from RTE or whatever. So it's a big part of like our culture, I feel. Um, so yeah, Sally Rooney, I would say, is my number one go-to. And um, I guess also in the realm of books, but more related to TV, is uh, I've been watching My Brilliant Friend, the Elena Ferrante. Oh, yeah. How is that? It's amazing. It's perfect. Like, it's basically Elena Ferrante's uh, My Brilliant Friend adapted for TV on HBO. And I'm almost done the first season, and I'm just blown away. It, it's like what I was reading in her books um, come to life on television in such a real way that I had imagined in my head. It's like, it's so perfect. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That they, they were able to be that faithful to the books and the adaptation. That's, I feel like that's rare too, that they can like recreate the magic of the book in the movie or in the TV show. So I know that she was heavily involved in, in uh, the okay. script as well. And, it's just amazing. And I have not like stopped thinking about it. I'm like taking notes while I watch it, just being like, Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I really recommend That's it. Very cool. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Corinne, what about you? What am I, what am I reading right now? <laughs> I am, I'm just reading actually. Oh yeah. There's a Toronto connection here. So I'm reading, um, <laughs> Well, thank you so much. Um, <laughs> I'm reading a book by Bruce McCullough from Kids in the Hall. So it was like his uh, memoir, I guess, that came out a few years ago, which I didn't even know existed. But like my boyfriend's a big Kids in the Hall fan. And I was talking about him. The other day. He's like, oh, my God, I have his memoir. So and I mean, it's like, obviously, an easy breezy read. 
but it's funny. Well, it's funny because he's funny, obviously, but it's like I read it all in his voice, which makes it even funnier. <laughs> so that's been a nice like way to kind of ease into spring, I feel like, because it's been it's been pretty funny. And it's different from like, well, Emily, you know, like I'm usually like reading like literary fiction. So it's kind of a nice like detour from the, the heaviness of that sometimes. So that's what I'm reading. What about you, Emily? Um, reading Pachinko by Min Jin Lee. Yeah. yeah. Did you read it? It's on my shelf. I bought it recently and I'm going to start it soon. Uh, JT, my husband, was just going on and on about how much he loved it. And um, I started reading it and I'm like, okay. And then you know that there's that point in a book where you're just, you find yourself reading a hundred pages at a time. Like it, that happened yesterday. I just got into the space where I was like, I can't stop. <laughs> and like you know something is going to happen and then you still cry when it happens it's yeah <laughs> it's it's so worth the time it's a great book and then I was really sick this week so um I had a migraine but the only thing I could do was I couldn't look at my phone but I could read the um kindle with no backlighting and really, really, really large print. <laughs> so I have it out here. So I read two romance books, and then I read Hashtag Fashion Victim by uh, Amin Akhtar, and it's really fun. It's um, I like murdery books, so it's basically about, um, it's a satire on the fashion writing industry, and this uh, woman who wants, who, who is both obsessed with her, like, fashionista um, uh, socialite uh co-worker I guess who she wants to be best friends with but then she also hates her and wants her job so, <laughs> so there's a big trail of bodies and it's fantastic and I love it well, that sounds funny I, I used to work as a fashion copywriter so there really some some something in there that would make oh, you probably love it then mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. uh Corinne what type of literary fiction do you normally read like what's a good uh, book you read lately a good book that I've read recently uh let's see um I'm in the middle of this one called fire sermon by Jamie Quattro um so she wrote a collection of stories that I really loved uh that came out in like 2013 called I want to show you more um, and so this is her first novel and I think it came out a year ago, two years ago, something like that. But I've been really devouring that one. I like that one a lot. And she kind of writes about like, I don't know, cause she is like a Christian herself. So it's sort of about the intersection between, I don't know, like faith and then kind of like, you know, marriage and I don't, I don't know, like family. It's just like about a lot of, I don't know. I don't, I'm like doing absolutely no justice to it because she's like an, an incredible writer, but she's just, yeah, I don't know. I love her, but I've been reading that. So that's one that I've read. I did read, I told Emily, I think in our last episode, this one by um, Alyssa Nutting called Made for Love, which also came out about a year ago. Did not care for that, but her first novel called Tampa, which came out maybe like, do you remember this? It's a yeah. good book. Yeah. Yes. So it's that one I love too. Life. Which is so creepy and gross, but yeah. so amazing. Yeah, yeah. Karen so. gives it to me, and she's like, "You're gonna love this." Like <laughs> for the next week, I'm like, <laughs> "Why did you do?" This Can't see my face right now. But like, that really was upsetting. <laughs> it, it's a really it's disturbing so book. I, like yes. the one thing I liked about it was that it's a perspective you never hear about. It's and that's never true. want to hear yeah. about. But right. But like I, I really liked that it was written from the female's perspective. It's basically about a teacher who kind of has like a sexual attraction to like what, grade seven or eight. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. It's yeah. really disturbing, but I was just like, wow, this is so like groundbreaking in a way. Like you never mm -hmm, hear totally. about women being written 
in, in this way. So yeah, right, you right, don't see yeah. a lot of um, female predators yeah, in, in books and especially female predators that you think are abhorrent. Cause I feel like a lot of the times we see like uh, the female characters who are doing bad things, you're, you sympathize with them and you're kind of on board. But with this one, I was just like, no. You're <laughs> yeah. Very uncomfortable read. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so everyone go read it. That's right. You'll love yeah. it. And then you'll have to take a shower. So that's how it goes. Yeah. Or 12. <laughs> right. Right. So um, Aaron, do you have any advice for aspiring publishing people, editors, writers, or just people who are also drawn to uh, the life that pays no money? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's hard. I, I always need advice myself. Um, so I would say, though, what's been helpful in creating Return Trip is um, kind of having a partner to bounce ideas off of who can do things that, that I can't do um like Jess is a really great designer and, and she does a lot of the web stuff as well and um it's just really important to kind of partner with people who you think would like a get what what's what the project is about but also kind of have different skills from you um I also have just found it really at least in Toronto it's a really supportive scene so like, let's say if you're living in your own city and you see a publication from there, I would say reach out to the people behind it and, and ask them questions. I, I think because we're such a small bunch, us like publishing weirdos, um, we're open to talking about it with people. And, and when people are interested in what we create, um, it's exciting. So like if someone were to come to me and say, hey, I want to start a zine or whatever, like, how did you do it? I'd be super happy to talk to them about it. And I think it's, it's just a really important way to, to build community, really. Yeah. Well, to wit, where can people find you? Me? Oh, like my, my <laughs> hashtags and shit? Um, well, I mean, your, your social media platforms, your website, like, where can people get Return Trip and where can they uh, follow you in a way that uh, you would welcome? <laughs> <laughs> Um, so you can get return trip at returntrip.ca and, uh, our hashtag or sorry, our, um, Instagram handle is, um, at return trip mag. Yeah. All right. That'll do it. <laughs> All right. Well, Aaron, thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. Any other parting words? No, I'm, I'm just really happy to talk to you guys and keep doing what you're doing. It's fun. All right. Well, you keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. As well. um, and you can follow us on social media, Twitter at Hybrid Pub Scout, Facebook at Hybrid Pub Scout. Um, get on our website, hybridpubscout.com and subscribe to our newsletter because there are special things in there from time to time. We're going to release the um, omnibus of JT Reads, um, the Stone and Fire uh, romance series. Um, <laughs> just a chapter from each book because the series is complete now. Um, you can find us on SoundCloud, Podbean, various RSS feeds all over the internet and Apple Podcasts. Please go and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. And if you're feeling generosity in your heart, uh, leave us a review and I will dramatically read it on air. Um, and I don't know. It'll be worth it. (laughs) 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 All right. And uh, thanks for giving a rip about books.